And uh, tonight, I would like to continue talking a little bit about faith and practice. Um, the people who have some knowledge and practice of Buddhism usually have some familiarity with the doctrine which is called dependent origination, Paticca Samuppada, and we hinted at it the other time, the other night. In addition to this uh, fundamental and central doctrine in Buddhism, there is another one, another uh, doctrine of dependent origination, which is uh, less known but equally important. It is called the doctrine of transcendent or transcendental dependent origination. Um, we know that in the classical, the, the basic uh, doctrine of dependent origination, uh, we have a, um, an explanation of why and how from ignorance, from avidya, suffering comes, dukkha comes. So we, we, we are shown a set of uh, conditions uh, which in the end um, uh, generate dukkha suffering. In the uh, Lokuttara Paticca Samuppada, in the uh, superior uh, dependent origination, the transcendent dependent origination, um, what happens is that the Buddha uh, starts right from the end of the uh, more well-known dependent origination process. In other words, it starts from dukkha, from su suffering. And after suffering after dukkha, we see as the foundation basis from this doctrine, sadda, faith. Faith is the basis. So at the beginning of the other uh, doctrine, we have ignorance. At the beginning of this one, we have faith of this, you know, a a ascendant of this, this uh, uh, upward dependent origination, we have faith. Why, why does faith come after, why does faith come after uh, suffering? Because it is explained that suffering makes us sensitive to uh, liberation doctrines, basically to the Dharma, uh, either Buddha Dharma or other uh, spiritual paths of liberation or salvation. It's not that dukkha, that suffering in itself, uh, conditions and generates faith, but provided there is this meeting of suffering and a doctrine of liberation, then sadda, faith, might arise. And faith, so, is the first condition, the basis for the uh, upward uh, development. Now, interestingly, the conditions which comes immediately after faith, uh, what faith conditions, what faith uh, gives rise to, are different forms of joy, relaxation, 
contentment, happiness. Uh, at least four terms, four conditions, we don't go into details, which show how from faith, from this foundation, this positive feelings, these positive conditions come. And so from, from, from this uh, foundation, uh, uh, a whole process of softening issues is generated, uh, a happy softening, you know, from the hardness and the bitterness of dukkha, of suffering, then the reverse process. In turn, these uh, positive qualities are conditions for more recollectiveness of mind, more unification of mind, more samadhi, technically, uh, in a technical word. Because of this uh, wealth of faith and, and, and relaxation and contentment, the mind can more easily get unified, calmed, recollected. It becomes more malleable, more kamaniya, which means workable, because it's been softened by, by faith and by the consequences of faith. And when the mind is more unified and, and more calm and more concentrated, the further uh, ascending condition is capacity for penetrative insight. From a stable mind, from a happy and stable mind, then the insight, the vision into what is true and the, in, in, into what counts, it becomes possible. Again, from there, uh, non-attachment follows, and then from non-attachment, uh, liberation, which in this particular doctrine is defined as the, the, the knowledge, the irreversible knowledge, that all the obstructions, the afflictions, and the hindrances have been uprooted. So from the meeting in suffering with a message of liberation, faith arises, and then from faith, positive conditions of mind, and from this more unity of mind, more capacity to see, understanding, wisdom, and from here, non-attachment and liberation. So this, sh this shows us the, uh, the importance, as we were saying the other night, of uh, faith in, uh, in this teaching. We were also saying that faith is not belief. Um, faith, in this sense, generally speaking, we could define as a growing sense, a growing feeling that despite the fact that suffering is overwhelming in the world, 
yet suffering is not the ultimate foundation of the world and of human beings. Faith is, is this, in a sense, this growing suspicion that uh, there is something beyond the incredible amount of suffering, and that suffering is not the uh, ultimate foundation. Faith is seeing, or beginning to see and to touch, that practice has to do with, this, with, with having uh, access to what is beyond suffering, to what is unconditioned. And faith has to do with practice becoming the real first priority in our life, which is usually uh, a, a gradual process. Um, Charlotte Joko Becks somewhere says, uh, at one point we realize that there is nothing else to do except practicing, but it may take 25 years. hinting at the fact that faith is the opposite of fear, that, that, that this accounts for the uh, dependent origination, uh, the transcendent dependent origination. We have faith and then all these positive qualities. In other words, the less fear we have, the more relaxed we are. And so, the more spacious we become, the more space inside. Faith is connected with understanding. Faith grows through the practice. Now, what is, what is this practice? Maybe we are in a retreat, so much um, intent in practicing that we may forget about what practice is. This practice is contemplating our conditioned body and mind again and again. Satipatthana, as Larry was uh, saying the other night, is contemplating of body, contemplating of what is pleasant and unpleasant, sensation, contemplating of mind, mind objects, mind states. So the idea is to aim at the unconditioned to a uh, constant an ever more constant contemplation, more and more accurate contemplation of what is conditioned. And what do we have? We have a body and a mind. And this practice invites us to contemplate 
body and mind. What happens when we contemplate day in, day out, one retreat after another, one day after another, body and mind? What happens is that we start disidentifying ourselves. We become less identified with our physical processes and with our mental processes and content. Now this, this identification is the beginning of what is not conditioned, is the, the entrance, is the, uh, uh, the, main, the main element, the main dimension uh, in the work of liberation. Because the more we get disidentified, and the freer we are. It is not that we lose something when we get disidentified. We finally become more spacious. Say, if we are identified with our anger, what does identification mean? Identification means that we believe 100% what our anger says. So we have no freedom whatsoever from our anger as long as we are identified with it. We are completely uh, enslaved to it. But the moment we get some distance, the, mo the moment we get some disidentification, by dint of uh, constant contemplation of our anger whenever it arises, this is the, uh, the task. Uh, then we get freer and more and more and more spacious. We can think of some example, uh, even outside the practice. Like we can perceive something in a, an identified way or in a less identified way. Take, for instance, uh, um, as an example, if someone gives us a compliment and um, we can rejoice um, very much, intensely, very intensely, we can uh, bask into, into, into this uh, uh, honey and uh, you know, become practically uh, drunk. <laughs> but suppose that while we are reveling into this thing, a big and important piece of news comes. Then a change happens. We, our relationship with the complement becomes different. In, with respect to that compliment, to that compliment, we become more sober. We enjoy it, but we are not drunk as we were. That kind of uh, excitement is not there anymore. We are less identified because something bigger uh, drew energy out of that uh, strong and fierce investment that we had. In a sense, the practice is like um, uh, one big news. One, one big piece of news after the other. 
uh, it has you know uh, uh, a widening effect and so um, reactions get uh, relativized can, can we say relativized not absolute you know when, when we dance frantically because of a compliment we have had we have made an absolute out of a few words when we calm down and uh, uh, we put it in, into a, a, a sane perspective a healthy perspective then we are not identified see it's not uh, see it's also a way of uh, having a little understanding a little bit of understanding of uh, of anatta of non-self when we uh, react in that um, um, in that way in front of a compliment we treat it as a solid thing vibrating but when, when we relativize it it's as though uh, it becomes fluid it's not it's not this thick uh, um, thing with a, with a with a with a uh, a core in it so this identification relativization freedom spaciousness humility if we remember that humility comes from a latin word which means earth all these things go together and uh, describe the basic uh, trend of the practice now how do we do the this identification what is it that we have uh, uh, that we use that we have um, um, access to awareness mindfulness this is the tool when we speak of awareness of mindfulness we always speak of something which comes with other factors I think we should not forget this you know we have uh, mindfulness as one of the eight factors in the Noble Eightfold Path we have mindfulness as one of the seven enliven, enlightenment factors we have uh, mindfulness as one of the five spiritual uh, virtues and the meaning is very clear and mindfulness is mindfulness to the extent that it is associated to this other factor they grow together they are not isolated entities so mindfulness is not real mindfulness without uh, a working connection so to speak with these other virtues or qualities okay the more we practice awareness of mindfulness you know awareness uh, we think of it in this global uh, way in connection with the other factors and the more we rely upon this something which we call awareness or consciousness the more we rely on awareness the less identified we get from our mind contents 
and from our identification with our body. So something diminishes and something else increases in our life. Something gets more thin, less important, and something else becomes more important, more present, more vibrant. At the beginning of the practice, this word, uh, awareness or, or mindfulness, or the experience of it, is rather vague. People say, oh yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> I was aware. I was mindful. I did this and that, you know, horrible things, crazy things. I was rather mindful. I was rather aware that I was, do that I was doing those things. doesn't make any sense. So it, uh, as the years uh, go by, it's as though this something, quote unquote, becomes much more real in our lives, much more real. And we tend to trust awareness as a living presence much more than we used to, inevitably. So we see that in the midst of our ever-changing experiences, sense experiences, mind experiences, in the midst of often conflicting experiences, and right in the midst of our convulsive identification with all this, there is more and more another possibility, which is the consciousness of it all, which is the awareness, living, present awareness. That changes our attitude to life, to ourselves, to other people. That is, you know, like a new person in our lives, a new important person in our lives. Whenever we remember to be mindful, mindfulness is there, waiting for us. We have just to remember. And this thing is there. See, if we want to, to recapture memories or thoughts or anything else, it doesn't work the same way. This, this readiness is not there. But it is there with awareness. Whenever we remember, we remember it now. Awareness is available. Completely faithful. We are unfaithful. 
we keep going away. But then we remember, we go back, we are accepted. No judgment waiting for us. Are there only are there other qualities like this one? So potentially, something which is potentially steady, constant. The Buddha is said to be, to have been sadasato, always mindful. The Buddha is also the archetype of the, of the searching individual, of the individual in, in search. So something which is constantly available And it's something also which is vast, which is open, because more and more we realize that we cannot say my awareness. What would be the difference between my awareness and your awareness? The mind contents are very private, you know, memories and projects and uh, colors and forms, but awareness no color or form. So it's vast, it's open, it's not personal. Steady, available, open, waiting for us. So the more we realize this, the more our usual stuff gets relativized happily, healthily. And we rely less on our strategies, life strategies, and, and, and calculations and thoughts, and more upon this mystery, which is awareness. And not only a mystery, but a mystery of peace. Because something which is always there and always available and open and vast brings peace. We back to faith. the more we taste a mystery of peace, the more our faith in the practice and in what's beyond the practice grows. See, we, 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 one of the, the roots of suffering of dukkha is that we constantly are looking for reassurances. We want to be reassured. We want emotional reassurances, intellectual reassurances, and uh, status, and uh, power, prestige. We want to be reassured. But if we, if we, if we practice and reflect, we see that this, these reassurances 
don't work very much, some. But we always need something else to be reassured. They have a very, a very limited power, or sometimes they work the other way around. We want to be reassured in front of the basic threat of life, the basic insecurity of life. And we often face life in a, in a kind of a bargaining attitude, more or less consciously. It's as though we said, yes, I'm going to live, I'm going to give myself over to life, if only if life is going to be like this, only if life is going to give me this, 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 and uh, it's not giving unpleasant things to me. So it's as though we looked at life with a, a, a huge reservation. But that's the source of an incredible amount of suffering. Now, the great, very great thing about the practices, about awareness, and about the mystery of peace, is that we need less reassurances. We bargain less with life. Why? Because this thing, this mystery of peace, seems to have an intrinsically reassuring power. So we can surrender more to life because we have a big trust in this mysterious thing. Maybe our life is being pleasant. Maybe our life is not being pleasant at all. And we have no guarantee, no security. And yet, we feel that we can rely on consciousness, that we can rely on awareness which through the practice we've come to know a little bit better one year after the other. In the Tibetan tradition, they have a powerful image about compassion, which I think can be safely used for, um, for faith as well. They use it for great compassion, for Mahakaruna. Now we can use it for great faith. The image is very simple. It's a crocodile. They say the crocodile doesn't let go the prey, his prey. Just holds fast. So great compassion is the same. And great faith is the same. Just doesn't give up. like a crocodile. We are not used to this image. <laughs> of course, if we think of faith, if we think of 
the full arising of the power of awareness, of the healing power of awareness, we easily start judging ourselves, or we easily start falling into lack of faith as a result of a talk about faith. Um, well, I think the Buddha said something very interesting in this respect. He said that, that there are four types of path, four types of practice. So the first type is quick and painless. Many of us are salivating right now. <laughs> Quick and painless. And the second type is quick and painful. And the third type is slow and painless. And guess what the fourth type is? It's slow and painful. Now, I think that this is an extraordinary piece of good news. <laughs> because, seriously, we have a concept about practice. And we very easily think that unless there is one positive adjective, that cannot be a practice which leads us to the aim. But the Buddha seems to uh, discard this concept because he says there are four types of practice and these four types, they all work and the fourth type is slow and painful. So, um, I think, you know, it's food for reflection when we assume so many things about not having this, not having that, about time, timing, maturing, this, this statement, this statement uh, in, in this categorization is very important. No, 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 no one is ex 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 excluded. And we also can think that, you know, once, once we reach a place, we don't care much about how we got there. We don't even remember, because we're talking about a very good place. wholeheartedly and generously. 